0: You know, I'm learning that you can never tell what God's going to (laughs) do. There's not many times that I've had two sermons that followed each other. And it seems that God is saying, get on something else now. So I guess it seemed to him that ever so often as we play this game of Christianity, and we know it's not a game, that we need to slow down, take a break, look at the scoreboard to see just where we are and what, what's going on, and where we are in the whole picture. We come here every Sunday morning and we open the Bible and we zero in on a detail of doctrine, a principle. That we all need to know about and we deal with that particular message until we're through with it. Then we do it again next Sunday. This this morning's on the Bible. The only source of information that we have, to remind us of just what happened 2,000 years ago and beyond. But I would like to make a few comments about our Bible and what it says and what it doesn't say and what its purpose is. And we'll go from there. You've probably heard that it's been the best-selling book that's ever been written for a hundred years. It's still that. I don't understand that. It's translated into 2,000 languages. I've been a part of that in the past. We asked a tract printer, to print some tracts about certain things about God in a language where we could send it to a certain group of people. That's kind of neat how that's done. Very few people in the world today do not have access to the words of the Bible in their language. The Bible was written by 40 different writers. Most were not people who normally write. There were sheep herders. David was one. Moses was one. There weren't many educated people that did the writing. Luke was one, a doctor. Matthew was probably one because he was a tax collector. And Paul was probably the, had the best education of anybody in the world at that time. But most of them were just people, fishermen and whatever. It took over 1,500 years to complete the book. No other written material has ever taken that long. 1,500 years. And what I find is so interesting to me because it has played such an important part in my Bible study is the book of Job. The book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Nobody knows when it was written or who wrote it. That's amazing to me. But God saw fit to put it in his scriptures. The writers may not have been gifted as we talk about writers today, but they were enabled by God. It's an interesting thing that the words used in our scriptures is that the Bible is the Word of God. It's not, it, it doesn't contain the Word of God. That would give the impression that there might be something else in the Bible besides the Word of God, but there's not. Everything in there is the Word of God And God had men write it down, but it said the words that they wrote down were God breathed. We'll see a scripture in a minute that God moved men to write. And you say, well, that's kind of hard to understand. Well, let me ask you this. The Holy Spirit is what moved men to write the Bible. The Holy Spirit is invisible. How can it move anything? But the word used in the Bible for the Holy Spirit is wind. A variation is breath. And you can't see either one of them. And they move boats and ships that weigh tons all the way across the ocean. And God's Holy Spirit, which is just as invisible, what do they say about it? The wind, you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going, but you can see what it does. Well, that's a pretty good description of the Holy Spirit. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. But you can see what it accomplishes while it's where, it's, where it is. God had to use men as a tool to write a book for other men because no other creation that he created could do it. So he was bound by that. But it's not a book that is of men. And we'll go into that a little further. The, book, the, the Bible, it says, was authorized by the Holy Spirit. He's the one that gave authority to the book. You think about how long it's been out. And I, in my research, I ran into some of the greatest people that ever lived secular men in the world tried to do away with it. Millions of Bibles have been burned by people who were trying to get, a, get rid of it. And it's still here. It's everywhere you look. If you'll turn to Second Peter, there's something I'd like to read to you. Second Peter, right behind James, Right before Revelation. Chapter one. Chapter one of Second Peter and verse nineteen. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. Now that to me is a analogy, I guess you call it. You need to take heed to the Bible, Peter says, until the new day dawns, in other words, you believe the word of Jesus Christ, and the day star, which is Jesus Christ, arise in your hearts. Until you get saved, you need to take heed to the book until you get saved. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. It means it all fits. Nobody can read the Bible and get an interpretation that nobody else has. You can't do that. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It's an interesting thing about this Bible. So many people don't really, I mean if you ask the question, what was the purpose for the Bible? Why did God write it? They probably couldn't put it into a simple sentence and explain why it was even written. In Galatians chapter 1, if you want to turn there, Chapter 1 of Galatians and verse 11. Galatians 1, But I certify you, brethren, Paul says, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, these books that I wrote for your benefit, they didn't come from other men. They came from Jesus and what he told me. For you have heard of my conversation in time past or behavior in time past in the Jews' religion how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. He said, I was after Christians and trying to kill as many as I could. I was going to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceeding jealous of the traditions of my fathers. I wanted to follow the Jewish religion so strongly that I was one of the greatest Jews because of my persecution of Jesus Christ. But when it pleased God, verse 15, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, when it pleased God to show me Jesus Christ, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. You see what Paul is saying here? when I was struck down on the road, we all know the story, and saw that Jesus had just saved me and Ananias gave me my sight back, what there was of it, and I realized that now I was a born-again believer. That immediately, I didn't ask anybody anything about what I was now. I didn't go to the apostle, I didn't go to Christians, I didn't ask anybody what am I supposed to act like now? I conferred not with flesh and blood, with people. Neither Went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. I didn't get with a bunch of Christians to find out how to be a Christian. But I went into the desert in Arabia, he says, and returned again unto Damascus. He went to the desert. And he says in other places, and again here, that Jesus taught him everything he needed to know. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him for 15 days. I visited Peter then for 15 days because I knew he was a Christian to confirm what I had done and what I had been taught by Jesus, I guess. But other of the apostles saw I none save James the Lord's brother. So the only people I got to see who were Christians already was Peter and James. Now the things which I write under you, behold, before God, I lie not. I'm not lying to you about what I'm telling you. Because everything I'm telling you, Peter said, I meant that Paul said, Jesus gave to me. I was taught like Jesus, by Jesus just like the apostles were. The, the description of an apostle is those who saw and walked with Jesus. And Paul did not do that. But he got his information straight from Jesus. It's an interesting thing. from somebody as old as I am and been in churches since I can remember that my first remembrances of a church is sitting on a pew with my mother, I mean on a piano bench with my mother playing piano for the church out at Enon and in, in drive out. I don't know how old I was but I was old enough to sit up straight because I had to because as we do here in those days. They did not have nurseries or children's church or any place you could you could put your children. So she sat me down right next to her on a piano bench. I've been going that long, and I've seen a lot of things in churches and a lot of things that I wished I'd never seen. People say they know God but they don't read the Bible. Secular adults don't view the Bible as the Word of God for the most part. They don't use it certainly as a guide for their lives. The people out here who do not know Jesus have no respect for the Bible and what it says at all for the most part. and most have no clue as for the purpose of why it was written. The Bible essentially shows us, portrays an unlimited God. God can do anything, anytime, anywhere, anyhow. And he shows it to a group of people who can't hardly do anything. (laughs) If you can come to that, you remember the scripture not long ago I I read to you that my ways are not your ways, he said. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts is as heaven is from the earth. We don't think like God. It's not our nature to think like God. If we do any thinking like Jesus, the Holy Spirit has to put it in our in our hearts. The Bible was not written for debate of interpretation or for causing people to divide into different churches or denominations, but to make an application to each person's life to live for God through Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. To make us aware of who God is and of who Jesus is and the way to God is through Jesus. That is the purpose of the Bible. And it's a big, thick book. And I've made the comment before. My experience with that book is that it says the same thing over and over and over again uh, thousands of different ways. There's not many messages that come out of the Bible. They just do the same message in a different way. I think God is trying to make sure that he has a way of reaching everybody. If this story doesn't get you, maybe this one will. But the only way to understand God is to know the Old Testament and the New Testament too. Because when Paul wrote what he's writing today that I'm reading to you, there was no such thing as a New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. And God shows what he's made of all the way through that Old Testament. Because the New Testament is all about Jesus Christ. And we tend to focus more on Jesus in the New Testament whereas on the Old Testament we focus on God. But both, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So it's really all still about God. But it was not God's intent based on the 17th chapter of John at least where Jesus prays back to his father and says, I've done my work down here. I've done what you sent me to do. Now I'll be coming back to the glory that I had before when I was with you before I became a human being. And I'm praying for these people that we have touched while I was here that they'll all think alike, Father, like you and I do. Well, all you got to do is look around and see. It's not working. Everybody's got a different idea. And they got different ideas enough to where they separate meeting with each other. They run each other down. They don't approve of each other. They don't accept each other. And some of them are ready to fight each other, all because of a book. But Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword, and it's going to separate you folks, because your sinful ways is going to keep you from all believing alike. The following is a result of some polls that have been taken. I mean, they're available for anybody. <clears throat> you can pull them up. If you ask the right questions, you can, you can get the answers to all of these questions. Questionnaires that's been handed out to people and researched with people and whatever. Now, understand... We hear about these polls, about political polls and stuff, how this guy's doing and how that guy's doing. A lot of the polls can be skewed, I think is the word, depending on who you ask. So the results of polls are what they are. Whether they're accurate or not is anybody's guess but it's sometimes interesting to see what answers come back when people ask a lot of people a set of questions. In the USA, 76% of the people in the United States profess to be a believing Christian. 76 percent, but only 70 percent believe in hell. Now I'm speaking to you guys because I know you. How many of you don't believe in hell? It goes along. If there is a God, there's got to be a Satan because they're both on the same page in some pages. But you see, I question the 76% of the people in the United States being professing Christians. Because my scripture says in Matthew chapter 7 that the way is, the gate is narrow and the way is straight or hard and few of them that find it. 70% 76% of the people in a whole country are not a few. There's no way you can jive those two figures. Only 20% of the people in the United States attend church one time a week. 20%. One out of five people go to church once a week. 24% of professing Christians never read the Bible. 24% one out of four never look at a Bible. Only 10% of the people in the United States attend the church 12 times a year, 10%. Now let's stop there for a minute. I see you guys pretty much every week. You're less than 10% of the population. I have people mention every time ever so often they wish there were more people here. And I've got to come make the comment, but, but it's true. I leave that up to God. I have been told that we need. Do you have a program I've been asked to where you grow your church? I said nope. I have a program where we grow our Christians. I want every Christian to become more like Christ. But I'm probably not as concerned about how many people are sitting in front of me on a Sunday morning. Well, you need a program like that. Well, I don't agree. I do believe that God's going to send here who he wants to hear, what we have to say and what we do here every Sunday morning. Only 28% of people who claim to be Christians believe that the Bible is the Word of God. 28%, less than one-third of the people believe of people who say they're believers believe that the Bible is the Word of God. The numbers just don't add up. Of the government officials who have been elected to the United States, government officials, who claim to be professing Christians believes there's other ways to get to heaven than there is by Jesus Christ. Other pieces of literature have been written that claim to come from God. They're claimed to be inspired writings. Some of our songs, we say people wrote under the inspiration of God. And they do. Because they couldn't know some of the things they write about if God wasn't showing them. That's the thing that amazes me. There are some things in the Bible. they talk about some things in the Bible that Jesus didn't even know when he was here. How then can something like the Bible come from a group of men? Come out of men's brains? Well, thunk up, as mama used to say. There's no way. This stuff is from God and I hope I have read scriptures to you to confirm the fact that we don't have the brain to come up with spiritual things unless God shows them to us. Jeremiah, it is not within the heart of man that walks to direct his own path. Man's goings are of the Lord, Proverbs says. How then can a man understand them? And the fact is, they can't. The only way we can understand the Bible, like Corinthians says, the unbelievers out there think the Bible is foolishness. Yes, they do. Because you've got to have the Holy Spirit in you to understand the Bible. So if you understand the Bible at all, the Holy Spirit is working with you to teach you what it says. And if the Holy Spirit is teaching you what it says, then you have the Holy Spirit, then that means you're born again. (laughs) There are some positives about this whole plan. There are some absolutes about this whole plan. And I think it benefits all of us to understand Really and truly, when it comes down to it, just how many of us there are. We're such, we're so moved by the media and what we hear that we think a lot of things are happening when there's not. If the media portrays something over and over and over and over and over. We might think that 50, 60, 70% of the population is is believes that when they may not be but 5% that do because they get more paper time, they get more TV time than other people do. There are five people in our Congress who are of the Muslim faith that I know of that are getting an awful lot of TV time because of their hatred of Israel. They're supposed to hate Israel. They're Muslim. One of the, the concepts of the Muslim faith is to hate Jews. But they get a lot of lot of a lot of time and we think there might be a lot more of them. So they can make things bigger or smaller based on how much they deal with it and how much they put out to us to read. There are other books that claim that they came from God, but they didn't. There are some other books. with other religions that claim that their God is the same God as the one in the Bible. But it's not. If you've ever done a thorough study on some of these variations of religion, you see that there are big errors in the way they deal with Jesus Christ. They do not call him See, Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name. <laughs> it is supposed to be Jesus the Christ because the Christ is the one that died to save us. There are a lot of Jesuses in the world. There are a lot of Jesuses and however you want to say it. But there's only one Christ. And if you don't see Christ as the Son of God, and the Savior of the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is his death and burial and resurrection, then you do not see the same God that the book, the Bible says is the God of creation. The Father of Jesus. If it was man's word, it wouldn't have lasted like it has, I don't think. Because no other book has escaped the blight of humanity. I read that in a book. I wouldn't have thought of it myself probably. The sinfulness of man has ruined so many things that have been pinned, but it's never ruined the Bible because it wasn't written by man it's not kept by man, it's not preserved by man, it is the word of God and God protects it and that's the only reason it's still been around I think the thing that gets me that so many of God's people don't realize because it's not It's not brought up. The Bible was a collection of books written by a group of men. The last book, Revelation, was written by John in approximately 90 or 95 A.D. It was another hundred years before all those books, anybody even started trying to put together all those books to compile it in a Bible along with the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. So it was 200 A.D. about before anybody ever thought about having it all as one book. It was 1,500 years later that it was printed mass in number, like I say, where it could be passed out to where everybody could have a Bible. They say the first Bibles that were printed and sold could be bought with a with a skilled man's wages of three weeks. A skilled man could be paid for three weeks' work and he could go buy a Bible. And look at them now. You can go to the thrift store and buy them for 30 cents a piece if you go to the right place. I know there was a lady who came to this church there in the early part of our farming and said she wanted to give away Bibles. And we started buying Bibles and started making calls to get Bibles. I don't know how many Bibles she gave away, but the last count I had is probably near 400. And we got those things without paying the full price for anything. If people want Bibles, they can get Bibles now. But the problem is, there are so few that want them. There's something else about the Bible that I've... I felt compelled to place in a a talk like this. People are offended by the Bible. I have run into so many people in my life who think that the Bible calls them second place. It doesn't put them in first place, it puts them in second place. The Bible and its authority restricts some people in what they're to do, some genders in what they're allowed to do by God. That's coming all to pieces now. I performed a a funeral not too long ago and a lady preacher from the Methodist church helped me perform that funeral I didn't know she was going to be there, didn't know I was going to be working with a lady, it doesn't bother me except that God says I permit not a woman to teach or to usurp authority over a man I have a very good friend who is one of the, the, the biggest Methodists I've ever seen in my life. And their church has been having awful conflict about this one, one situation. And it's been going on for, I know, 30 or 40 years because I preached. I spoke to a brotherhood in another church 40 years ago, 35 years ago, and they were dealing with the issue then. I want to explain something to you, please. I know some of you have been in the military. And I experienced it. I took my basic training in San Antonio, Texas in 1964. And I learned something in that place. There are people when you go in there who have stripes on their sleeves and gold on their collars and some of them you get the impression are not as smart as you are. But everything they tell you to do, you will do or suffer the consequences. And if you ever even see somebody suffer the consequences of not doing what those people tell you to do, you won't do it again. I have had people tell me that they feel like that God in his word make them a second class citizen. God doesn't do that. The term that is used that they, the the verse that they use to say that is a military term. It's not dealing in Galatians And Corinthians, when it talks about that God is the head and it comes down to Jesus, and then under Jesus is the man and under the man is the woman and under the man and the woman is the children in this authority structure. Those words that are used to denote that are military terms. And what they're saying is, it's not first place and second place. It's not first class or second class. It's in your place or out of your place. That's what it's saying. And the Bible does not mean to offend when it says that you are to be in your place. There are a lot of people today who are offended if anybody even assumed that they are to be in their place. When you first get in the military, they've got something they call a muster. That's when you get off the bus and the first thing that happens or get off the plane and then you usually get on a bus. But when you arrive at a place where you're going to have boot training, you get off of a bus and the first thing they do is line you up in rows. I understand some places are done by height. Some places are done other ways. But at any rate, when they line you up and you get in your place, every time they say fall in, every time they talk about a muster, you get in that same formation and you are in your place. And as you spend time in the military, you are expected to stay in your place. And if you think you're a second-class citizen because you pop off and somebody's got more stripes than you got and you suffer for it, you don't understand the military because you just got out of your place. Right, Ernie? That's <laughs> the way it happens. And that's what is used in the Bible. God says, I expect you to be in your place. We don't understand today the authority structure that goes through this Bible. But people who are spiritual always look when they come into a new group of people who might be in authority. And they give, they submit themselves to that authority. Every group of people you walk up to, somebody is going to be the person that God has chosen to be in authority. And you have to back up. I remember what Anthony said one day. He said, You know, a lot of times now people get in a group and they're giving their opinion about things. And he said, God has taught me that when I get into a group and they're all sharing their opinion and they look at me, if God doesn't give me an opinion to share with them, I just keep my mouth shut. That is spirituality, people. is to be in your place, spiritually speaking. To submit to the authority that is placed over you is a Bible idea. It's a Bible doctrine and probably one of the most The worst problems we've got in the United States today is a lack of respect for anything. There is that submission to authority of being in your place and knowing what place you're supposed to be in. And the Bible talks about that without apology. In John chapter 14, in verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. That's the only way. There's no other way. For so many people to believe that there's more than one way to come to Jesus have never been taught. Because that's one of the first things I learned, that the only way you can come to God is by the way of Jesus Christ and his gospel. By believing the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus And if you believe that, then you're what is known as a Christian. And when you tell people you're a Christian, that makes you a professing Christian. And that's what we're all to be. There is no such thing in God's plan as a closet Christian. If you're hiding the fact that you're a Christian, you've got problems with God. Because we're all to share that. But the thing is in order for God to teach you those things that you need to know you got to give your life to him first. And most of us at the point of time that we gave our life to Christ we didn't know a lot about the Bible because without Being a Christian, you can't know much about the Bible because the Holy Spirit's got to teach you about it. I guess the the thing that I come out of all this with is this. There's not many of us. There are fewer of us who are openly willing to talk about our spirituality, our Christianity. That there are so few. Because I have seen in every church people who I do not see that Jesus had ever changed a bit. And that is the criteria. We have used in the South, especially here in the Bible Belt, the fact that people go to church being Christians. And a lot of Christians go, or a lot of people go to church that are not Christians. We can't assume that they are. I have talked with people who are embarrassed to share Christ with other people And they would rather assume that those people are Christians already to get them out of the feeling that they need to share. But we need to be quick on the draw when we think that we're dealing with somebody who might not know Christ. Time is short. It's getting shorter every day we live that Jesus will come back and when he appears in the clouds and says, come up, it's too late then for anybody to get saved after that, except for some Jews that the scripture says will be saved during the tribulation. So know who you are and how many there are. And as you get in your automobiles and start diving down the road after we break up here, Know how many there might be on your left or on your right, or when you go to a store, how many people do you run into that might know Jesus. They need a word, folks, and they need it from people who are responsible enough that they will believe them. That's you, and that's me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your book. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit It uses your book to teach us how to be like Jesus. I thank you for that plan. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.